So I want to talk about Jesus Christ's unlikable moments. Now, did you know that he had, Christ had many unlikable moments? Now, I think most Christians sort of view Jesus as just, oh, I mean, he was just, he never had an unlikable moment when people didn't like him. And yet, if you think about it, it was the unlikable moments that all culminated and added up at the end that caused his death. Is That Really in the Bible presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. Have you ever had an unlikable moment where maybe you were embarrassed, maybe you said something, maybe you did something, maybe, and you realized that people didn't like what you did, what you said, and you felt the flush of embarrassment, you know, where, and you just, you know, it's a certain feeling that you get when you know that you're not liked, when you know what you just said, people didn't agree with you. It's a strange feeling, is it not? And I'm convinced that most of us spend our lives trying to avoid unlikable moments. I mean, after all, we want people to like us. We don't want people to hate us. I mean, we spend a lot of energy and work at a great deal of our life. I mean, how much energy do we spend? Do we spend 95% trying desperately to get along with others, to get people to like us, to agree with us, to to be in harmony with other people? I mean, and, and again, we don't want people to dislike us. We don't want people to hate us. Now, here's the problem. We avoid unlikable moments at the expense of not being true to ourselves, at the expense of not being authentic. Now, this is where the real problem comes in at, because we can come to a point where we are so desperately trying to get along and to be liked by everybody, where we're just desperately trying to avoid all of these unlikable moments that we be, we become just a facade. We become unreal. We're not real. We're not authentic. We're not true to ourselves. And sometimes we feel it. We, we go away and say, why didn't I say that? In other words, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you say that? Why didn't you speak your mind? You ever done that? Where you, you, you felt guilty because you didn't speak your mind or you didn't say what was on your mind? Well, okay, that is an issue of not being authentic, not being true to yourself. Now, I want to digress a little bit and just, just tell you how to convince the majority of people that you are a Christian. Are you ready? It's two words. This, this is how you can, can convince the majority of people around you that you are a Christian. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to do anything. Here, here's the two words. Just be nice. Yeah, be nice nice. And you will convince the majority of people that you are a Christian. Don't voice your opinion. Okay. 
Don't speak your mind, because if you voice your opinions, those who disagree with you may not like you. And you see, often that's what we're, we're trying to avoid. We're trying to avoid the unlikable moments. And there's only one way to get everybody to agree with you, and, and, and that is to never voice your opinion and just nod your head. Be a head nodder. You know, when people talk about things, when they talk about stupid things or whatever, just nod, mm-hmm, smile, yeah, mm-hmm. Never voice your opinion. Be nice, and you will convince the majority of people out there that you are a Christian. People will look at you and say, oh, that person is so nice. That's the nicest guy I've ever met. That's the nicest woman I've They've got a big smile on their face, and, and they're just so nice. And you will be able to convince the majority of people that you are a Christian just by being nice. Often what was said of our president, President Trump, that he's harsh, he's crude, he's arrogant, he's rude, he's not nice. And if you looked at some of the interviews that he had with fake media, the fake news, he was not nice. He would call them out every time. But here's the thing. He, he is a man that believes in himself. Okay, And that's a rare thing, to see a man who believes in his mission, his purpose, his reason for existing. A, a man, he, he is a man who believes in himself. Now, people who believe in themselves are often the enemy of those who, do, who don't believe in themselves. In other words, if you have confidence and you know where you're going and you know what you want and you know what you want to do, those who are just floundering around, who don't know why they exist, who don't know why, what, what's it all about and where they're going and have no mission, have no purpose, those people will hate you. They hate people who believe in themselves and know where they're going. It's just a fact of life. Now, there's a verse that sort of speaks somewhat to this dilemma, this issue uh, of opposites hating each other, or at least opposites, you know, uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 29 verse 27, an unjust man is an abomination to the just, and he that is upright in the way is an abomination to the wicked. So if you are upright, if you do the right thing, wicked people will hate you, Okay. Wicked, if you do the right thing, wicked people, if you are upright, you're living a right, a righteous life, doing the right things. Yes, keeping the law of God that defines what is sin. Wicked people will hate you for doing that. So what am I saying? I'm saying get used to having unlikable moments is what I'm trying to say. Get used to having unlikable moments. E.E. E. Cummings said this. He said, to be nobody but yourself in a world which is doing its best night and day to make you like everyone else means to fight the greatest battle there is to fight and never stop fighting. He's talking about being true to yourself, being authentic. And we live in a world that is doing its best to make you like everybody else. What does it mean to be like everybody else? It means be nice. Don't voice your opinion. Get along. Be a head nodder. Agree. Okay, that's the world that is trying to conform you to be everybody like everybody else. 
and don't dare rock the boat. Just be like a wallflower that's never noticed and basically ignored in a world which is doing its best night and day to make you like everybody else. Means to fight the greatest battle there is to fight and never stop fighting. It's a fight for to be authentic, to be true to yourself. Now, have you lost your ability to be authentic to be by trying to be nice to everyone that you meet? A man pleaser. You never voice your opinion because you want to be nice. You want to get along. You want to be accepted by all people. So I'm going to look at Christ's unlikable moments. In John 2 and verse 23, it says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast days, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them, because he knew all men, and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. You know, Jesus was not impressed with man. He knew what was in man, and he just wasn't that impressed with it. And, you know, this is sort of a, a dilemma. We, we uh, sort of a... You know, Jesus looks at us and says, hey, I know what I know what you're made of and then walks away in disappointment. Now, I know that sounds harsh because we've we've sort of been brainwashed all of our lives and, and just, you know, Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. And it's love, 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 love and grace, 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 grace. But my question is, is it possible to disappoint your savior? Now, with most religions, it's not possible to disappoint your Savior. You couldn't disappoint Jesus if you tried. If you set out on a mission to disappoint him, you couldn't do it. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, yeah, it's possible to disappoint your Savior. And I believe that one of the ways that we disappoint him the greatest is by not being true to ourselves, not being authentic, not being real, just trying to be nice just trying to get along with everyone, never voicing our opinion, never speaking up. Well, this verse says, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. Oh, yeah, you know, miracles. They believed in him. Didn't mean a thing to Christ. Did not mean a thing to Jesus that they believed in him. You know, someone said that you have to, we have to become independent of the good opinions of others. And Jesus was able to do this. You know, it, it didn't it didn't mean a thing to him that many when they saw when people saw the miracles that he was doing, that many believed in him when they saw the miracles. It just did not impress him, because you see, he was independent of the good opinions of others. In other words, you have to do this so that no one is running your life. If you become dependent on people speaking well of you, people being nice to you. If that's what, see, they're running your life. They're controlling your life. You know, I've had people tell me on my program, is that really in the Bible? I've had people tell me, I just love everything you do. And I'm thinking to myself, I don't love everything I do. I don't even agree all, you know, every time, sometimes I will say something and I think, well, I must, I think I misspoke. I think I shouldn't have said it that way. So when people come along and just say, well, look, I just love everything that you do. You have to become independent 
of the good opinions of others so that no one is running your life. You see, the world says, be nice, be tolerant. I accept your perversions. You accept my perversions. No conviction, no opinion, no morality. Just coexist. Now, I want to tell you what I think the world is coming to. This is what the world is coming to. The only way we can get along with one another is if we abolish morality. If we have no morality, then, then we can all get along with one another. And you know, churches are doing a good job at this, destroying morality, because they have a theology that says, well, the law has been abolished, been nailed to the cross, been fulfilled, been done away with, grace plus nothing. And I'm sure the liberals are applauding the churches that are out there. This is, this is the mindset that many people have. If we can just abolish morality, then morality is what separates people from other people. You know, I stand for this. You don't, you don't stand for that. You're perverted in this area. I am not perverted in this area. I keep this law. You do not. You see, this is the mindset that if we can just get rid of morality, then we could all have, we could all coexist. We could all get along with one another. Jesus Christ unlikable moments. Matthew 21 verse 31, breaking into the middle of the scripture here, whether of them did, uh, Twain did the will of his father, they said to him, well, the first. Jesus said to them, verily I say unto you, the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. Now you got to understand the audience that he was speaking to. This was the religious ilk of Jesus' days. These were the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they're stroking their long, these were the elders of the church, and they're stroking their long beards, and they they hear Jesus say, look, boys, the publicans and the whores go into the kingdom of God before you people. You know, these were people that believed they were saved because of their national heritage. They were born saved. And here comes Jesus this young upstart, you know, comes along and says, look, the publicans and the harlots are going to go into the kingdom of God before you religious nuts. Yeah. Jesus, unlikable moments. Here's another one. Matthew 15, verse 22. And behold, a woman of Cana came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, you son of David, my daughter, is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. He just kept right on walking. So this is the first, this is like a, 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 a one, two, three knockout punch. Uh, first unlikable moment. He pretended he didn't hear her. You ever do that? Pretend you don't hear what people are saying? Maybe they say something so stupid, you just pretend you didn't hear that. Oh, we do it all the time. We do it all the time, you know. So Jesus just kept right on walking as if he didn't even hear this woman. Unlikable moment. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after her. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Second unlikable moment. You're not part of the in-group, woman. I'm not sent to you people. I'm sent. There's one exception to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and you're not part of the in-group. Kept right on walking. Second unlikable moment. 
you know, you're not part of the in group. I mean, we did this in school, did we not? As teenagers, as young, ignorant kids, we did this. You're, you're, we told people, you're not part of our group. You know, you're not uh, the clique of, uh, of the in group here. And we didn't allow certain people to associate with us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Second unlikable moment for this woman was that Jesus' response was, you're not part of the in-group, and kept right on walking. Then she came and worshipped him and said, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not me to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. Third unlikable moment. And now this is amazing right here. This is like, again, this is a one, two, three knockout punch here. The deliberate choice of words could have easily been misconstrued. Jesus' deliberate choice of words. Why, you're, you're calling me a dog. You're calling me a dog, the woman could have said. But she answered, Matthew 15, verse 27, she said, True Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it unto thee as that you will. And your daughter and her daughter was made whole from that very hour. You know, it's almost as if Jesus is deliberately testing this woman. Now, should this surprise us? Well, we know Abraham was tested. Abram, go sacrifice your son, your only son. Well, I mean, we don't even want to think about that. We don't even want to put ourselves in Abraham's shoes when this angel appeared to, to Abram and said, look, go sacrifice your son. We don't want to think about this. But, but let's place ourselves in this woman's shoes here. And Jesus comes along and he's deliberately testing this woman. How can I get this woman to be offended? Now, had she responded with offense, had she spun on her heel and said, you're calling me a dog and walked away, she would have walked away thinking that this son of God is the most unlikable person I've ever met in my life. I don't like him. I don't like him. Now, here's what I want you to understand, and don't overlook this. God will challenge us with many unlikable moments about himself, about his nature, the way he does things. Uh, he'll challenge us through the words of God, the things we read about his nature, the things he, have, he has done in the past. He'll, he'll challenge us just to see how we will respond. God, I don't like this. I don't like the way this prayer has been answered or not answered. You're being tested with God's unlikable moments. And they're throughout the Bible. They're throughout the Bible. I mean, Elisha, uh, I think of the story of, of Elisha. You know, he's walking through a, a place, a town, a city, or whatever, and, and the little children came out of the city and mocked him and said, go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. I mean, they were mocking Elisha, Elijah, Elisha, a prophet, a man of God. And he turned back and looked on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. Notice this. He cursed them in the name of the Lord. And God answered that prayer. And there came forth two she-bears out of the woods and tore 40 and two children, ripped them head to toe, bits and pieces of body parts all over the place. Children. Okay, this, this is God. 
Are you offended? How do you respond to that? Well, God, I don't, I don't, I don't like you. Or do you respond like the woman? Yes, Lord. I don't understand it. I don't understand everything about your nature, but I'm willing to try to understand. And not be offended by God. Because God is testing us with unlikable moments. People will say, well, that harsh father God of the Old Testament, I don't like him. And they don't realize that Jesus Christ is the God of the Old Testament. The instrument the father used to do all things, create Adam and Eve, give the law of God, get right with his own fingers, the Ten Commandments, the instrument the father used to do all things was none other, none other than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the God of the Old Testament. And then we have Christ at the end. In Revelation, where it says, And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that, that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather, gather yourself into the supper of the great God. God's going to have a supper. Jesus is going to have a supper. And what's being served is roast man. At the return of Christ, he's going to kill a lot of people. Is this, is, okay, does, does this offend you? You don't like that about God. You don't, if this, is this offensive? Again, again, don't, do not, we, you are being tested. We are being tested daily with God's unlikable moments. And it all depends on how you respond. I've just given you a beautiful example of how this woman responded I mean, it's amazing how she responded when she could have said, you're calling me a dog. And she said, yes, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And it even, it, it impressed Jesus, her response, because she did not get offended. She did not question God's nature. Now, she might admit it. I didn't, I don't understand all these things, and that's okay. It's okay to admit you don't understand, but you have to trust. And this was the issue of trust. You have to trust God. Because daily, he's testing us with unlikable moments. Here's another one, Matthew 23 and verse 27. And I'm reading this from the Message Bible. He's talking to the religious ilk of his day. Jesus is... And this translation reads it a little bit different. It says, you're hopeless. You religious, you religious scholars and Pharisees, frauds. You're like manicured grave plots, grass clipped and flowers bright. But six feet down, it's all rotting bones and worm-eaten flesh. Man, what a visual. I mean, uh, just picture that visual. Uh, and he goes on to say, people look at you and think you're saints, but beneath the skin, you're total frauds. You know, people, again, get offended by Donald Trump because of the way he talks to the media and the fake news. You know, Trump don't hold a, a candle to Jesus, though. The way Jesus talked to hypocrites and religious frauds and people that thought they were close to God. There's no comparison. 
You know, and I'm I'm convinced that a lot of people today would be offended by Jesus if they were to live back then. The way he handled himself with his many unlikable moments. John 2 and verse 13, and, and the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and dove and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a small scourge of small cords, he drove them out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out all the changers' money and overthrew the tables. I mean, this is like Rambo in church. I mean, Jesus is, he makes a whip. He takes the whip and whips, beats the, the sheep and the oxen and they kick up their heels and then he overthrows the money changer, the tables and coins are rolling everywhere. I mean, he's kicking rear end at church. Jesus, unlikable moments. John 2 and verse 16. And he said unto them that sold doves, take these things from hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. I mean, they knew, these people knew they should not be buying and selling on the Sabbath day in the temple. They knew that. And if you think about how unlikable was he at this moment, I mean, did people look at him and say, oh, sweet Jesus, I love the Lord. No, 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 I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they didn't like him at this moment. Mark 16 and verse 14. Afterward, he appeared unto them. Now, this was after the disciples saw Jesus resurrected from the dead. And it says, afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sit at meat and upbraided them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. That little word upbraided, it just means he just chewed them out. The disciple, he just chewed the disciples out. A royal chewing out. You know, we like to think that we would have loved to live back then and walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus. I'm telling you, if you wear your feelings on your shirt sleeves, you wouldn't last it five seconds with Jesus. You just wouldn't. You would have walked away being highly offended by all the unlikable moments of Jesus Christ. Now, in Matthew 10 and verse 22, it tells us, that it tells us this. It says, And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endures to the end shall be saved. You shall be loved. You shall be accepted. You shall be adored. You shall be liked. People shall say, what a nice Christian guy that is. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. You know, most of us live our lives being nice. And I'm not saying I'm not saying it's wrong to be nice. I'm not trying I'm not saying be mean. But you know, you know what I'm talking about. I don't have to explain it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. We live our lives in the appeasement mode. Not being authentic, not being true to ourselves. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's wrong to be nice. I'm just saying we live our lives trying to be so nice that we're not being authentic and we're not being true to ourselves. 
And we try to avoid all unlikable moments. Churchianity has made Jesus void of any unlikable moments. I mean, he just didn't have any. I mean, chances are you probably never heard a message like this. But what has been revealed is that Jesus had many unlikable moments. And his many unlikable moments led to his death. He was hated by the religious ilk of his day. What about you? What about you? You know, I think a real Christian will have many unlikable moments that especially when you realize, you know, that you're not being true to yourself, that you're not being authentic, especially when you realize I need to speak the truth whether it hurts or not, whether people get their feelings hurt or not. I think a real Christian will have many unlikable moments. How much of your time is spent trying to avoid your unlikable moments. And that's what I, that's what I want to leave you with today. I want you to think about that. How much of your time is spent trying to avoid all unlikable moments. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia 24151 or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net